Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lavery, and I'd like to welcome you guys all to another episode tonight. Uh, quick thing, uh, quick shout out to the folks who are fishing the Paddle and Fin Noobs tournament. Uh, we're kind of getting close to wrapping up uh, the June tournament. Um, for those of you guys who are right behind me in the standings, keep fishing. Um, my lead is not insurmountable. I know it. Uh, it I, I've done really good this month. Uh, I guess got super lucky. And don't worry if I happen to uh, win first place, I will uh, forfeit my place to anybody uh, and just let everybody else move up a spot. So definitely don't uh, let me sitting at top of the standings dissuade you. Please get out there and keep fishing and um, try and knock me off that pedestal. So um, I'm, I'm pulling for all you guys to get back out there. Still got a, a couple days left, so definitely some time to make some moves in the standings and for those of you guys who uh, still are kind of at the bottom or maybe not have uh, put a fish on the board yet, still plenty of time to get out there. Um, should be a nice weekend this weekend. So get out on the water if you can and uh, see what you guys can do. All right. Um, that's enough about that. Uh, I want to take uh, a moment to just um, introduce today's uh, guest. Um, I reached out to him after seeing um, a post that he had made about a, uh, a local tournament that he kind of placed very well in. Uh, due to a specific tactic that he seems to uh, really do well in and uh, seems to love. And I, it's something that uh, I often overlook. And um, it's, it's, we, we talk a lot about fishing rivers. We talk a lot about fishing lakes, but we often neglect talking about the skinny water. So I wanted to bring on uh, tonight's guest uh, to talk specifically about creek fishing, but also um, to cover a little bit about um, some of his other specialties, which we'll we'll cover in a little bit. But uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Mr. Trey Leach to the show. Welcome, sir. Thank you. No problem. So, uh, guys, um, you guys might have heard uh, Trey Leach uh, a while ago on the final cast show with Brad, because um, he actually, uh, you can see by the banner behind him, for those of you watching on YouTube, um, he... Uh, is the guy behind Innovative Sportsman. So um, does a lot of cool things. I know uh, my buddies uh, Jeff Little and Jake Harshman both uh, love him to death um, and uh, speak very highly of him. And um, so I wanted to, but I think this is the first time you've been on the Noob Show, right? Yes. Okay. So I wanted to give you a chance to, shout, uh, to just introduce the folks who don't know you, um, who you are, where you're from, and kind of how you got into fishing. Okay. Uh, 
like you said, I'm Trey Leach. Um, I I got into fishing as a young child. I fished catfishing growing up, very similar to Jeff Little. Um, we've become really close in the last couple of years, and uh, we kind of grew up fishing the same kind of way and in our local waters and here and stuff. But I started out on the Monoxy River, which is a small river in our area. Um, not very well known for bass. There are smallmouth in there and a few, you know, large smallmouth in there. They're just not, you know, plentiful. But um, so grew up catfishing, spent my weekends there as a young teenager. When I got my license, Friday, Saturday nights, you always found me by the river. Um, I always wanted to be able to do something in the outdoor industry, um, you know, for a living, like most people do. Um, but I grew up a welder son. My dad was a welder for himself, had his own business. And, you know, I, so I started welding at the age of eight, um, been in metal fabrication all my life, pretty much. Um, I steered away from that for a while. And then, uh, I drove a truck for a while and then ended up going back to my roots because it's what I know. And, and I know I can make a living at it. And there was, you know, there was a demand for it. So, um, went back to doing that. And then a couple years into it, Jeff Little actually found me and, um, he asked me if I could build a certain, it wasn't a rock bird. It was a, we, at, at the time we hadn't called it a grass blaster, but basically asked me if I could build a grass blaster for a travel for keto motor. Um, and I built something, um, it was very early on in my like production design, um, days. I did a lot of repair, uh, general fabrication and repair. So, um, wasn't really much into the production scene, but Jeff asked me if I would be able to produce something. And, and I did, and he asked me if I would be willing to produce more of those for, for other people who'd like to have that product. So we did, um, and it just kind of snowballed. And I've got to know Jeff really well. Jeff always has new ideas. Um, we're always working on stuff together. Um, so that was kind of my foot in the door to the outdoor industry and how to make uh, what I do as a profession work in the outdoor industry, which was really neat. And it's since become about 90% of what I do is Innovative Sportsman. It's our brand. Um, SDL Services is the mother company, and that's our fabrication company. But um, so, yeah, it's become 90% of what we do, and I love it. You know, um, going out on the water and testing products is work, even though it doesn't feel like work. <laughs> um, you know, I get to spend a lot of time with Jeff and filming and stuff. and um you know he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to fishing and um in in there when it comes to fishing i've learned over the past couple of years you know that the mental game of it um is so much more important than than just not having the knowledge of knowing how to catch fish you know keeping your head on straight not not spinning out um trusting your gut was a big thing that that helped me last year um and in not saying you know, if your brain's telling you, oh, this might work, but you're thinking, no, nah, I don't feel like cutting this off and tying that on. I've learned to trust my gut and just, you know, grin and bear, cut the bait off and tie what what my instinct is telling me to tie on. And it's actually helped me a lot over the last year. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my story and how I got to where I am. But uh, okay. fishing's what I love and it's what keeps me going. And, and it actually is what recharges my batteries when when work gets stressful and we get behind on stuff or, you know, supply chains, as we all know, are terrible right now. So it can be stressful at times and fishing is what helps keep my head straight. I'm sure. I'm sure. And that's, that's definitely really good advice and something I still struggle with. Uh, there's, there's times where I'm, I'm able to remain calm, but um, all it takes is uh, a couple of, you know, bad things to happen. Uh, you know, I'll, uh, you know, break off a bait or, uh, get a really bad backlash or something. And that just kind of starts a downward spiral. And before I know it, I'm fishing way too fast or, you know, you know, not listening to my gut at all and, and, and just being stubborn. And that really does, you know, hurt you when you're fishing, you know, um, I, I, I know that you, I just saw that, uh, obviously you, uh, did pretty well in that, the, that post that I saw. Um, so I know you're, you know, have you been, uh, competitive fishing a lot lately or is that something new to you or last year was my first year, uh, actually sticking to a schedule. Uh, I fished with mid Atlantic kayak bass fishing last year. Um, and I fished, I think all but one tournament. It was my first year fishing everyone. Uh, the previous year I'd fished a couple of them just to get my feet wet. 
And then last year I, I made the commitment and said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to try and make a run for the angler of the year. Um, you know, never thought with a caliber of fisherman that was there that I would, that would have done, you know, really well and finished near the top. But I put my head down. I simplified my bait selection. I, I got rid of a lot of baits, um, colors, and because we all get wrapped up in colors and, and you know, fancy looking baits. And I just simplified everything. Everything's black and blue, green pumpkin, and white pretty much. Um, and I found a few key baits that really, that really helped me. I'm a power fisherman. I like to fish fast, but I can slow it down, which is actually one of the things that helped me last week. Um, but last year I fished, uh, like I said, the pool season of MAKBF and going into the final tournament, I was leading the points. And then, um, at the end of the final day, um, we had one angler that, that still had one qualifying tournament that he hadn't fished yet. So his, that last tournament was his to every point that he got counted because that would have been his fifth and final tournament for the points. And then Alex Fioca was right behind me, who's another real good buddy of mine. Um, and then, so I knew that it was going to be close, and I was pretty sure that I was like one point behind Alex at the end of the day. Well, little did I know that uh, J.R. Rents, uh, he's from New Jersey. He was fishing with us last year, too. He was the guy whose last tournament was the one that counted. And he snuck in there and tied with Alex Fioca. So we had a, a tie at first, and then I was one point behind him third place in ang angler of the year last year wow so, that's pretty good for yeah. your first year yeah yeah so we we had a good time like i said it was all it was all mental you know i was able to keep my head on straight i had a really bad first tournament last year i lost three fish and i only i think i only ended up measuring two fish on the board so the three fish would have gave me my five but um even that day i didn't get really frustrated we were fishing um marburg lake marburg so that can be a tough oh that could be anyway. real tough oh yeah so everybody knew going into it that it was going to be tough it was april really early april so it was cold and um but i knew when i lost these fish i was like yep that's gonna hurt like that <laughs> i knew that was gonna hurt but um yeah keeping a level head is definitely key cool cool and um i know uh like you said in the post that uh you really love creek fishing um what what draws you to creek fishing specifically uh um I mean, I, like I said, I, I'm so used to fishing the rivers and, and the lakes like Marburg and Redmond around me. Um, you know, I got some pretty good lakes in Pincho, um, right. that I fish a lot. Um, and of course the Susquehanna is, you know, world-class small lake factory right in my backyard. So I kind of get spoiled with that. And, um, there have been a few creeks that I've, I've tried out now that, uh, you know, I've started to talk to people and get, get a few ideas. I don't want to throw them out there because, some people will be if I burn, burn their awesome creeks, but uh, there are definitely some nicer creeks around that I know of, but I know there's probably plenty of places that I don't even know about. So what kind of leads you there and what, what, uh, why do you uh, enjoy that aspect of the fishing so much? So I started, uh, I started bass fishing in, I think it was 2010 or 11. Um, and the first like I had a, a friend of mine who I worked with and he's like, Oh man, you got to go bass fishing. I'm like bass fishing. I grew up catfishing. Why do I need to go <laughs> bass fishing? The only time I ever caught a bass was when I mistakenly caught one in the river when I was fishing for catfish. <laughs> but, um, he took me to black Hills, which if anybody knows black Hills, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome fishery with giant fish in it. Um, we were early July throwing buzz baits first thing in the morning. And my first largemouth bass was, uh, it was close to three pounds. So, I mean, oh, wow. coming from the catfishing world and, and catching an almost three pound largemouth, you know, first largemouth in a lake, um, I was hooked from that point on. But, but at the time I was living outside of Hancock, Maryland, and I was literally five minutes from the boat ramp. So I started going down to the river and it, that was kind of like my roots. I grew up fishing the river and moving water and that's what made sense to me. So I started catfish or started uh, bass fishing and catching smallmouth up there for, for those river smallmouth. And I had a, there's a lot of local guys out there that have jet boats and stuff. So became friends with a couple of those guys, started riding with them and just like a sponge, just started soaking up as much knowledge as I could. Um, and that was all river fishing. There was not, you know, it, it, the upper Potomac up there is small, but it's not, it's by far not a Creek. Um, so then 
we moved down here. Um, I live in Mount Airy, Maryland now. So we're kind of central to Black Hills um, Regional Park, which is Little Seneca Lake. Um, and then we've got other lakes within 30 minutes of us that, that are, they all fish well. So I started learning how to lake fish. And it really didn't click for me creek fishing lakes until um, I guess it was it was the beginning of COVID. So it was it was 2020. Um, the restrictions had already went in, and we were fishing like an online style tournament for MAKBF the first year that I fished with them, and we were fishing we were fishing on Black Hills. It was, or I was fishing on Black Hills, so we could fish any public body of water in um, Delaware, Maryland, or I think it might Pennsylvania might have been in that too. But so everybody kind of picked their own home honey hole, and I went to Black Hills just because I knew there was big fish there. Well, I was the dark started to warm up. It was post spawn. The water was it, it was really on a warming trend, and it just got tough. The grass was up. Once the grass gets up, those it's just like marble those good fish get in the grass and they're hard to catch at the very end of the day i hadn't caught a fish I hadn't spun out but i was definitely aggravated i was like you know what i know that water coming out of the creek in the back of this lake is flowing cooler so i went and there was a it was like a sandbar to get to the mouth of the creek but once you got to the mouth of the creek it was deep so i turned a torpedo on high and right before i hit the sandbar i yanked the motor up and i was able to glide across that sand because we're not allowed to get out in portage or anything so i was just okay i didn't get stuck <laughs> so i got there out of the creek and this creek is literally 30 foot wide right at the mouth and it gets narrower the farther you go back but on the one bank it was a it was about a four foot bank and then the water looked to be about three foot there it gets that nice dark green color where you can see it's deeper water so I cast it in there with a Senko. It was a weightless, wacky Senko. And second or third cast, it, it something thumped it and took off. And it ended up being either a 20 or a 20 and a quarter inch largemouth. It was wow. the only fish of the day I caught. I had 15 minutes left in the day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. To get that fish uploaded and I had no service in that spot. So I actually fished for another five minutes to see if I could get one or two 12 inches out of there or something um, before I had to flee out of there and find service. But um, so I got out of there and uploaded it and I almost had big fish of the day with the one fish. Um, but th that's when it started to click for me, creek fishing. That water was 10 degrees cooler coming out of that creek. And it made a huge difference. Um, fast forward a little bit. Uh, Jeff Little and I were down fishing, um, I guess I for, it was, so it was the KBF national championship at Gunnersville. Um, okay. and we didn't want to fish the main lake cause we weren't competing in that. We were down there doing vendor stuff and, and advertising and stuff like that. So we were fishing, um, from advice from other anglers that, that we know from down there fishing local creeks and small rivers. And we spent a week for, well, we spent four days fishing down there and we, we just were wrecking spotted bass and, and largemouth bass. And, and it was a, it was a fun time. Um, the water was still warm. It was still hot. So the creeks were cooler and those fish were real active. Um, so we spent four days doing that. And that was right after uh, we got the first uh, inflatable prototype, but I was down there in my bona fide at the time. And uh, we were fishing these creeks and stuff and that. So we had to, we had to portage some and, and drag the kayaks around. 
Um, and that's kind of really when, when I got home from that trip, my, my wife and kids weren't home and then they were going to be home a day later. So I actually got home, went on the Monoxy where I grew up and I took our prototype inflatable out and I went up the river because I just spent four days on creeks with a bona fide and you know, it, it gets around. Okay. But I was like, all right, now's the time for me to really see what the difference is with an inflatable. So I got on the inflatable and went out and, and I could get in so much skinnier water and I actually uh, portaged over a three foot low head dam um, with the inflatable kayak because the water was really low and it wasn't like gushing over the top of the dam. So, um, and that's when Creek fishing really became real for me because it was more accessible and I had realized, and I lived the, the cooler water, you know, summer bite it, it's there. Um, like I said, I'm a power fisherman and I struggle early in the season when the water's cooler. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing too, in the wintertime, a lot of times you can go into creeks, depending on what's feeding this creek, you can find warmer water. So, um, it works in the summer and in the winter. So it, it's just kind of a bite that's, that's always there. It's more stable fish, more stable for the fish. Interesting. Interesting. And I know it's interesting when you talk about um, being able to get to water that other people can't, because that's, you know, first and foremost, almost why, you know, a lot of us kayak fish, because we're getting to water that boats can't get to. But now with your inflatables, you're talking about getting to water that maybe some kayaks can't get to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yes. sure. Uh, so I, that, that, that I think would be also another uh, reason why creek fishing appeals to you, because um, your inflatables, you know, Jeff Little's, uh, you know, a great spokesman for that too. I mean, if you watch any of his uh, videos and, um, you know, I'm definitely leaning that way for my next kayak just off based off of, uh, his testimonials and stuff that he's done and, uh, you know, him showing how quickly you can patch them and stuff and all that. Um, it, it definitely seems to make sense. And especially like, uh, my areas of the river where I fish, where, you know, certain kayaks aren't going to hold up to bouncing off rocks and stuff. And that, you know, the inflatables seem to, you know, handle that really well too. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, there's so many advantages to it that, uh, you know, it, it, it just makes sense. But I think in Creek fishing, especially, cause like you said, you're, you're able to, to draft a lot, uh, shallower and, and, um, get to places where even some of the kayaks that draft a little deeper can't go, or like, you know, like a Hobie, with fins or something couldn't go that kind of thing. Yep. So, um, an, an example of being able to get to fish that other people can't get to, we fished, um, uh, silver Lake in Delaware this year. Um, it's in Dover. And so this year I'm fishing the Delaware, uh, paddle sports kayak bass fishing trail along with the MAKBF trail. Um, both of them are ran by great people. Uh, I've become friends with, with all the people that, that run the kayak series and, you know, help in any way I can and, and try and, and push those series so more people join because it's, it's not just a place to go and compete in kayak fishing. We're, it's like a big family. We all get along. We, we, you're not, it's not cutthroat. Everybody's wishing everybody a good day on the water and, you know, and, and we just want to go out there and compete. And at the end of the day, you're not, you know, rubbing it in people's faces if you did better than them. We just, all want to go out and enjoy the sport that we love. And we all like a little bit of competition doing it. Um, but as I was saying, we fished uh, Silver Lake in Delaware and Silver Lake's not a big lake, but it's, it's got really good fish in it. Um, and naturally I want to go to the, the Creek that feeds the lake. Um, so I started that way. And in the morning, first thing I said, well, I'm going to fish these two points before I go back into the Creek. Um, and there's a couple other guys that, that I fish with that, that like to fish in the creeks too. And I knew they'd probably go there first. Um, and I don't mind fishing behind people because we don't throw the same things and, and we end up picking up fish that each other won't get anyway. So, right. um, I eventually made my way back in the Creek and I caught my limit. It was a small limit. Um, and I felt like I couldn't upgrade. So I went back out to the main lake to try and upgrade. And I did upgrade, I think two fish at the end of the day, I'm like, all right, I know the fish are back in the creek in numbers. Maybe I can go back and upgrade. So I went back there and I went to this area where there was um, there was a log about it was about chin high on me on the kayak. So I could lay my seat down and get underneath of it, knowing that 
nobody else could get back in there because there was also a log underneath the water about three inches and the inflatable floats in about two inches of water. So um, I was able to get myself underneath the one tree and over top of the other one and get back in there. And I immediately caught three fish within 20 yards of that tree. It just wow. goes to show that 20 yards past that tree, those fish know that, hey, nobody's throwing a bait back here. Um, actually, Jeff, Jake, and I did that on Lake Norman a couple years ago. We found out that just throwing from the backside of docks and throwing at a different angle under the docks, the fish would bite because they're not used to seeing bait, you know, lures coming at a, that angle. Um, so that's kind of what I found at, at Silver Lake. Um, and then this past weekend, we fished on um, the, uh, um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank now. Where are we fishing at? Um, above the dam there. Conowingo Reservoir, right? Yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> I always want to say Aquaquan. I don't know why I always want to say Aquaquan. They're both reservoirs. Anyway, um, so we were fishing the Conowingo. Last year, MKBF had a tournament planned for there, but the water got really high and dangerous, and they were like, a lot of people don't know it, so we don't want to take the chance of somebody going down and getting hurt. Um, so two weeks ago, uh, Delaware Paddle Sports had their tournament on the Conowingo. Um, I went out there, and well. Last year, I pre-fished um, pre one time, and I pre-fished one creek, and I caught 70-some inches in the first hour and a half. I left <laughs> the creek, and I'm like, this, that's, that's where I'm going to go. That's, 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 it's fishing like I know it. It's, I'm comfortable there, and that's where I'm going to go. And then that tournament got canceled. So this year, the week before the tournament, I went out, fished the same creek, same thing. I, I could catch as many 12-inch fish as I wanted. I caught a couple decent fish. Um, I lost some because I wasn't really trying to hook them. I was just trying to get bit. And I and you could pretty much you could call your shots. So then the DPS tournament comes around two weeks ago. I go up in this creek and it was like a ghost town. Like hmm. nothing fished the same. Um, and I went back to an area where I knew only I could get at the top of that creek. Uh, the first set of rapids, I can paddle the inflatable through. Um, and then about 75 75 yards or so beyond that one there was a class two or class three rapid that nobody was getting through but within that area was a six foot hole with a steep rock ledge and i and i was like i know i can go in there and catch 12 so i got in there and i caught like two fish uh during the delaware paddle sports tournament so i was really puzzled so i was like the, the bite's just not on in here i'm gonna leave out of here and i'm gonna go across the lake to another small creek and I go over there and a friend of mine, actually Bill Benini, he runs, uh, he's one of the guys that, that runs the Delaware paddle sports kayak bass fishing, um, trail. He was in there. He was actually competing with us, which was good to see him out there. Cause he doesn't, he spends so much time with the trail. He doesn't get a lot of time. Right. And it's always nice to see those guys out there. And he was in there and he had already caught four. And I said, well, if you're already in there, I'm not going to. He's like, no, no, go ahead. He's like, they're mostly small. I did end up picking up a 12 incher in there. I made one pass and I come out and I'm like, it's all yours. I'm not going to go in here and beat up on the fish that you've already found. But we we both had the same idea for that area. That creek was flowing 10 degrees cooler than the rest of the lake. Um, so we kind of knew and it's still a little early. Uh, the main lake wasn't wasn't real warm. You're talking mid 70s. So the fish weren't really looking for cooler water. Um and, and, you know, he fished the rest of the day into there and ended up doing really good. And I ended up with three fish for the whole day because um, I just went running around. I, I ran two Torquedo batteries dead, just running wow. as hard as I could, covering water. Um, okay. It's not often on a tournament day that I will run one battery dead, let alone two. Um, but I'd only ever pre-fished that one creek. And I was just trying to find something that looked familiar to me. They were generating water out of the Holtwood Dam. So I was up fishing eddies and stuff and then ended up at the end of the day going back down to the first creek that I'd started in um, and, and never caught, you know, a fourth fish. But uh, so I really didn't have any expectations going in last weekend other than I just need to fish what I know. Um, mm -hmm. I knew Bill wasn't fishing. Uh, so I went back over to that creek first because I knew it was going to be cooler water and we had some pretty high temperatures and I figured the lake temperature would come up. So maybe a few more fish had pushed in there. I went in there in the first hour and a half had five. Um, and I had my big fish already, which was 
uh, it was a 17 and three quarter largemouth that had the body of a 20 inch largemouth. He was just short. Like wow. he was built like a Susquehanna smallmouth. And <laughs> it's not often you see those largemouth in there like that, nor fight like he did. So he fought like a smallmouth too. I, I would have swore he was a smallmouth until he jumped, but he was real yellow. Um, just a real healthy fish. And uh, I ended up catching, I think, nine fish in that creek. And then I had a local guy come down with his canoe and I had pretty much like the bite really slowed down. I threw everything I had in the kayak at them just to give them something different to look at. And it seemed like every time I switched the bait, they, they would, they would eat again. Um, but the wind was really bad. So the inflatable is made for, you know, shallow water is not made for big water. Um, but you can, use you can use it on big water. You can cross big water. I've done it a lot this year. Uh, that was definitely the sketchiest water I've had it on. Um, you know, there was three foot rollers with white caps and I got wet coming across the lake. It literally from one side of the Conowingo Reservoir to the other, it took me 50 minutes to run. Um, I saw that in your notes and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So I was doing about two miles per hour at a, at a diagonal um, angle trying to get across because I had to, I had to keep running straight into the waves and not taking them on the side. Um, right. I was never concerned about flipping over or anything, but I was definitely wet by the time I got done because, you know, this is the way the bow of that thing's shaped. It's not made to take, you know, heavy rollers like that without taking water over the bow. Um, but I just took my time and, and I made it across. But uh, but it, I do believe that, that that cooler water in the creeks is is what, what made them, you know, congregate right there and, and made them bite. And the more I fish those creeks, in this the summer and the winter um you know the more i'm a believer is that's where those fish you know the more active fish will hang out at, at those those months of the year um we fished the uh, the bass national championship this year in south carolina and the main lake was cold um caught all my fish both days of the tournament in a creek that nobody else could get to but it was one in a creek um, it just goes to show you, you know, you could go out in the main lake. If you got on a school of spots, you could have a, a decent limit of fish just with spotted bass. But if you could find a Creek that had a little bit warmer water and large mouth in there, like when you found the Creek with the large mouth in them, that's, that's where you were going to win it. And, um, I really thought I had the Creek to do really well down there. I caught 10 fish both days. So I was happy with that. Yeah. Um, and I caught a, I think it was a 21 and three quarter on the first day, which is, which was an awesome feeling. So I'm sure. Yeah. Awesome. Um, how about your, your tactics? Do you, do you change anything up when you get in the creeks uh, versus um, what you do elsewhere? I know you mentioned power fishing, so you're talking moving baits a lot. Uh, what kind of things are you throwing and do you change it up at all when you get into that kind of skinnier water? My, my confidence bait very much like Jake Harshman is a jackhammer. Um, it's usually white or golden shiner and we don't we don't agree on the same trailers and i really don't believe that the trailers make that much of a difference um but i i'm a i'm a, a zoom super fluke guy on my jackhammer um that's my confidence bait but going into this last tournament and and only catching three fish the first the first tournament two weeks ago uh, this past weekend, I actually went back to my roots and I started throwing a tube. I caught my limit on a tube. Awesome. Um, I'm a power fisherman, but if, if I got to slow down, I'll do it. And it's usually uh, uh, a Senko on a, a an owner EWG, EWG shaky head. Um, and I only throw Senkos in black and blue and green pumpkin or... Um, you know, uh, the jackhammer, but I, I throw a Ned rig when I need to, when I feel that I need a bite just to boost my confidence, I'll throw a Ned rig, um, just because they work. But, uh, about midway through the day last weekend, I, I took the tubes and stuff off because I knew I needed to catch bigger fish. Although tubes will catch bigger fish. I wanted to have a better percentage of catching bigger fish. So I started throwing bigger baits. Um, and, and I caught fish, um, just, I pretty much, I did upgrade one time in the afternoon, um, in a different Creek, but, uh, but yeah, so it was that, that mental thing, you know, after I got home from that tournament, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta downsize. And, and I started thinking, you know, on the upper Potomac flowing water, I, we always caught them on tubes. So I just went back to throwing tubes and 
fishing slow. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm sure I, that at what point did you decide, you know, uh, like how, how long do you stick with something before you, you were able to convince yourself, okay, this is something I, I need to change here. Or like, uh, what, what triggers that in you? Or is it just like you said, your gut feeling? I, I kind of let the, the, the structure of the area I'm in and the way the fish are biting, um, you know, if you, if I'm throwing a, a sink, <clears throat> a Senko on a shaky head and I'm getting bit, but I'm not, I'm not hooking the fish. I know I have to downsize it because they're nipping the tails. Um, and a tube's really good for a hookup ratio because, you know, there's not much. My hooks on my tubes come out the back of the tube at the, the beginning of the tails of the tube. So I'm not throwing a small hook on the tubes. Um, I'm always a power fisherman first. I always want to see if they're if they're chasing bait first. Um, so I'll throw. I, I, I'm, I always try top water in the morning. Uh, I love a top water bite like everybody else, but I I will not spend a lot of time on it because usually at the end of the day I'm beating myself up thinking maybe I spent too much time throwing top water. But uh, you know, and then I move into spinner baits and the jackhammer, um, and then like I'll even speed I'll speed fish a, a shaky head uh, with a senko on it. You know, just throw it into an area that that whether it be wood or rock. I'll throw it in there and let it drop. I'll hop it once and, and pull it out. I actually did that pre-fishing on the Conowingo. I caught a couple of fish that way. It just kind of lets you know if those fish are, if they're, if they're going after something, if they're going to chase bait, or if you're not getting anything, you know, after so long and you're kind of feeling like there's got to be a fish there. Maybe I just slow it down. And then that's when, if you catch one slowing it down, then that's when I kind of say, yeah, it's going to be one of those days where I got to slow it down and, you know, and fish it a lot slower because that's what the fish want. Okay. I know I, I, I haven't heard too many uh, people who use a Senko on a, a shaky head. Uh, is that something you've been doing for a while? I, it's, it seems like an interesting choice. I, I mean, I, I use a lot of wacky rated, uh, wacky rig Senkos, both weighted and one unweighted. Um, and I Texas rig them occasionally too. Cause I, I kind of feel like they move like a fluke sometimes depending how you work them like that. But yeah. Uh, on a shaky head, that's it's an interesting thing. I don't know that I've heard too much of that. So I, I fished um, <clears throat> when when throwing a wacky rig first became pretty popular when I first started fishing, um, you know, on the river, the upper Potomac and stuff. I fished it a lot. Um, one thing I don't like about a wacky rig is it hangs up a lot, whether it be rock or, or sticks or whatnot. So I started throwing the weedless wacky hooks um, on those. Um, and, and you still get snagged. We started, I started fishing the lower Potomac a lot. So you fish a lot in the grass and you get snagged in there. Um, we, I started throwing the weight, the weighted wacky rigs. Um, you do really well in the Potomac, the lower Potomac and the grass with those two, especially, you know, the month of May, um, late April, early May, they're all the whole month of May and then early June. Um, but I, once I started fishing, I think when I started fishing the the Senko on a on a shaky head, it was the fact that I could fish it fast um, and I could fish it slow. It's just a very universal style bait that will work a couple of different ways. And I hate cutting baits off and tying new one. Um, so it's one of those things that that I can fish it more effectively different ways rather than just, you know, fishing slow or fishing fast. I can kind of do both with it. Um, Jake, he got me started on, on fishing it, uh, the, uh, Senko on a shaky head. Um, and he, like, he just kind of showed me what he did and, and I started catching fish that way. And, and I put my own spin on it and, um, I probably throw it more than I should. I haven't thrown it as much <laughs> this year. Um, just because we fished a wide array of fisheries this year, we were, uh, we were down, um, in florida in in the beginning of february uh okay. we did the past national championship in south carolina um we fished santee cooper so this year for me has been a lot of learning new water um and and a lot of different water i mean i fished creeks in florida too um but if you want to catch those big giant florida bass you got to fish the lakes you can't you're not 
catching those in the creeks. You're lucky if you do. Um, you catch them at the mouth of the creek. I lost a giant at the mouth of a creek down there. Um, but it, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of the Senko on a shaky head. It's kind of what works for me because I can, like I said, fish it pretty much any way I want. Interesting. Yeah, no, it definitely seems like, uh, you know, like you said, a, a pretty universal bait because if, if you need to move it fast, it's going to get down faster than that's the one thing. I like fishing a weightless rack, wacky rig, but uh, on a, like a Senko that way. But the the weighting on that is what drives me bonkers sometimes, especially as like I started off more finesse. I, I threw pretty much all spinning gear. You know, I had like one bait caster that I was learning. And as I've progressed, I've I've actually kind of gone gotten away from that. And um, but like the a wacky rig Senko was, was my first confidence bait. Because uh, on the local lakes here, um, I, I really did well with it. Um, once I learned the patience as aspect of it, uh, the first time somebody handed it to me and said, oh, you got to try this. It's going to catch fish. And I was fishing it way too fast, not letting it um, sink. Uh, I was moving it too much, giving it way too much action. Um, and um, But then when, when I kind of learned how to fish it, uh, is when I started switching to weighted tank or uh, wacky rig hooks because it got it down a little faster. And I think uh, to me, a shaky head seems like it would even work almost better than uh, a weighted wacky rig for that purpose, you know, take yep. uh, a little bit of my uh, impatience and uh, use that to my advantage. Yeah. The guy, the guy that got me into bass fishing, he was, uh, he's a fair amount older than me. He's retired now. Um, but when, when he first took me out, you know, he, he got me hooked. And then I started fishing the rivers uh, up where I was living at. And I got him to come up and fish rivers with me. And he wasn't really a river fishing guy. So I got to teach him a few things. And then a couple years later, we, we both went to Black Hills uh, back out on his boat where we where I started fishing. And uh, I that's when I religiously threw a, a wacky rig Senko. And I was catching fish. It was pre-spawn and I was catching them. And he was like a jig fisherman all day would throw a black and blue or a green pumpkin jig. And, and he would catch giant fish, but he wouldn't catch a lot of them. Well, this day they didn't want a jig and they were, I was catching them left and right. He's like, what are you throwing there? And I'm like, Oh, so you don't know about the wacky <laughs> rig. And so I, I was like, here, tie this on. And he started catching them immediately. And, um, you know, some days they, they just want it slow. They want a different profile and, and it was working that day. So it felt good to be able to teach him something. Um, but yeah, he's a good dude. He, like I said, he retired now and, and went and bought his one room cabin in Maine. Like he wanted to buy when he mm -hmm. retired and he lives near a lake up there. And it's the lake he used to fish once a year, every year. Wow. That's awesome. That, that sounds like a, a dream come true, man. To yeah to be able to pick your spot and go there and be like, yeah, this is, this is where I want to be. You know, that, that sounds really sweet. Yeah. Cool. Um, any other things you can think of um, if you were just getting started or introducing someone to like uh, Creek fishing, is there any, any um, obviously you can look for structure. Um, you probably don't use your electronics as much in a, in a, in a Creek cause it's a lot shallower. Right. And you can sure. visually see a lot of uh, kind of what you want to shoot for. Yep. Um, so creek fishing, you know, once you get out of the, the, the stagnant water of the lake and you get into the flowing water, I look for the eddies, um, you know, and, and a lot of people think you just want to throw into the, the, the water that's not moving in the eddies and, and you really have to fish like the, the line of current that comes off of the eddy, um, you can fish the, the flowing water or you can fish the non-moving water in the eddy. Those fish will set up in any of those areas and sometimes way down where where the water re starts to move again at the bottom of the eddy um jeff little does an awesome job covering a lot of that stuff on his youtube channel but um to to give you an example uh last saturday when when i was fishing in that that one area that that nobody else could get to i was throwing um what did i end up throwing in there i ended up i had a a ned rig hook uh a weedless ned rig hook with a um a rage baby crawl 
uh, in black and blue or in green pumpkin on the back of it. And I was throwing it up into the top of the rapid and bouncing it off the rocks coming down, knowing that there's a good chance I'm going to get snagged. But I know from my roots of river fishing um, that in that white water, in that turbulent water, those bigger smallmouth will get up in there and, and they'll get behind rocks that you can't see where they can sit in that current and then they'll just, you know, stealthily attack any bait that goes by. And that's where, that's how I caught my upgrade in there. Um, you can also throw square bill crankbaits in that, in that white water of the rapids. Um, those fish are just, they're sitting there waiting for bait to go by. They're opportunistic feeders and they'll just sit there and, and wait for anything. And it's pretty much a reaction bite. If you can get it within their sight, they're going to come after it. And sometimes they'll even, you know, you can watch them chase it down through the rapids and um, they'll get it towards the end. But um, that was something else that was kind of neat for me because I hadn't really fished like that since since we moved. We moved here in 2018, um, you know, and I used to fish the Upper Potomac a lot. But since we moved down here, I really haven't fished it much. But that was one of the ways that we fished up there was in that whitewater. Um, it sucks fishing that way sometimes because if if there is a lot of bigger rock, that current will push your bait under a rock and you'll get snagged. I don't care how weedless it is. Um, and then you really can't get up in that current a lot of times to get it back out. You got to break it off and retie. But those fish are in there and that's why they're in there because they're they're feeding and they don't get a whole lot of pressure in those spots. It's funny that you mentioned that because uh, uh, was it, uh, I guess two weekends ago, I fished uh, my first tournament of the year on the Juniata River. And... Um, I uh, rolled up to the spot uh, that was, it looked like a shallow, but quick, very quick running riffle. Like it was um, a lot of uh, broken up water. And I almost, I had a square bill crankbait tied on. It was kind of muddy water. So I had like a, a uh, one Verut black, all black uh, crankbait tied on. And uh, I started chucking up in that, uh, what I, what I almost assumed to be almost too shallow water for a fish to be there. And, um, I, I'm sure quite a few people had passed it by and I actually pulled out my PB smallie, almost a 21 inch smallmouth out of there. Um, I missed uh, big bass for that tournament by a quarter inch. Um, but um, I, I almost um, went past that spot because I was like, that, that just looks too shallow for a fish to be hanging out there, especially, you know, a big, a monster smallie like that. Right. But sure enough, he was right there. And I, I just made, I probably after like two or three casts of running that crankbait through that kind of, I would say pretty turbulent uh, water, It he smacked it and I pulled him out of there and was able to get him in the boat. Thank goodness. I thought for sure I was going to lose him, but uh, um, I was super happy. Uh, but uh, that definitely taught me a lesson not to, not to think, you know, uh, you know, that's too shallow because it, uh, I guess it can be deceiving and um, he was definitely right there in the kind of the thick of it, you know. Yep. And and I, I still do that. I, I, I'll i go up to a place and I'll be like, oh, that's really clear and I can see the bottom. There's no fish there. And But I know better, I, you know, I and I I basically look at it and I'm like, yeah, I'm not casting in there. And I'm like, no, I'm, there could be a fish in there. And, and I actually, I just had this conversation with my kids the other day. We went out um, and just did some wading and some bank fishing in a, in a small creek. And actually, it was a small river. Um, and and I told them, I was like, just because this looks shallow, I was like, there could be a bass sitting right there and you just can't see it. Um, and, and there were small, small mouth and it was a trout stream. And, um, you know, they, they ended up catching some fish in that water where you could clearly see the bottom and, and you could see minnows, but you couldn't see anything any bigger. But those fish are in there. And yeah, like I said, I, I, I do that all the time in creeks. I'm like, oh, it's shallow and clear. There's nothing there. But one thing I do like to do if I know that I'm coming up on really shallow, clear water is I'll make long casts. So because if those fish are pressured, they see you coming, mm -hmm. you know, they'll scare and they won't bite. But a lot of times they're there. And if you make a really long cast into that area and they don't see a boat or a kayak, you know, they will feed. That's for sure. Definitely. You know, and and, and I should have uh, like I started kind of trout fishing. um, my father-in-law uh, kind of took me uh, out trout fishing and that's kind of where I got my start. And 
that was one of the first lessons I learned trout fishing was not to overlook water because um, even though you, you think you can see the bottom, um, there's a lot of places fish can hide for one. And also, you know, they just blend in really well too. If you're looking down on the top of them, a lot of times they're, they're made to camouflage like that. So um, uh, that I, you know, that that's a lesson that I kind of took with me to bass fishing, but still kind of neglect at times. Um, and, and I think that's definitely a good, good idea is to, to make casts even when you think it looks like there's nothing there, just to at least check and see. Uh, it doesn't hurt anything to make a few casts. And also that kind of goes back to the whole, uh, another lesson that took me a while to learn was to not be afraid to lose my lure to, cause, um, a lot of times the fish are going to be in those really kind of hairy places where you almost got to risk it a little bit, uh, yeah. to get it where the fish are. So yeah and that goes along the lines of why i like throwing a senko on a you know an ewg shaky head because it's it's very very weedless i can throw it into i can throw it into trees or rock or anything like that um you know and, and i can slowly methodically work it through all of that and and a lot of those fish if they're down in that stuff they feel safe and, and they're not pressured down in there, and that's why they go there. So if you can get into those areas, um, whether it be a different angle that you cast at them or uh, an area that it looks like you're going to get snagged or, or break off, you sometimes you just have to take, take that chance if you want to catch a fish. Um, like I said, I hate retying. I hate breaking stuff off, but it, you just if you want to get those tougher-to-catch fish, you got to do it. Right, right, for sure. So... Well, cool, man. Um, I think uh, that's a, a ton of great info. Um, wanted to give you a chance to just talk about some of the other things that you do at Innovative Sportsman. I know um, you guys do a, you do a lot of kayak rigging. If you, if you, you a lot of custom stuff where mm -hmm. if you have a need, um, folks can come to you and just tell you what they need, and um, you can kind of work out a plan. I know Jake Jake Harshman's talked a lot about that. You know, he'll 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 come to you and say, "This is what I want," or "This is what I want to do." I don't know how to get from A to B, you know, and, and you kind of bridge the gap there a little bit. Yep. So, um, you know, we, we started out by making accessories and stuff. Uh, I learned a lot about kayaks and, and kayak fishing from Jeff. So I got a lot of really good insight on, on everything kayak related um, with Jeff and everybody I've met through the industry. So we make adapter plates for different kayaks. Uh, we only make, we only produce adapter plates for, uh, the higher in demand kayaks like uh, the Hobies and the new canoes and stuff like that. Um, it, we get questions all the time. Hey, can you make an adapter plate for this one or this one? And a lot of times we just can't do it. Uh, one reason is because we don't have the kayak and we need to take specific measurements. Um, and another reason is if it's not something that we will, it's supply and demand. If we're not going to sell enough of them, we can't make it for a cheap enough price to to actually produce it um you know if we're selling 10 of them a year it's going to cost us more to produce that those 10 per year than it would to produce 100 of them because if we do more volume we get better rates in the um on the production end of the scale so it's a big balancing act as to which plates we can produce um and then in which ones we have to kind of turn away and we don't like to turn away any business, but sometimes, you know, we're, we're still a business. We, we have to make money in order to stay alive. So um, we make the, the rock bars for the Torquedo motors. Um, we've like we were talking briefly about was the inflatables. Um, mm -hmm. We feel that there's nobody out there that makes a really riggable inflatable. Um, you buy an NRS makes a makes an awesome inflatable kayak. But there's only so much you can do without gluing a bunch of switch pads on it and, and then accessorizing it yourself. So the inflatable that we that we're developing, uh, we're in the final stages of developing is it's going to have track from bow to stern um, and it's going to be three sided track where you can mount accessories on the top or the sides. Very similar to the Jackson Tri-Trek. Uh, we're working out a deal with Yak Attack to use the top loading um, track um pattern that they have so it will still be top loading um you'll be able to load it infinitely from front to back you don't have to you know load it from the end and, and rearrange everything because that's a nightmare we've done that several times um 
So hopefully to kind of capitalize on a market where it's not really there yet, uh, as far as inflatables, inflatables are, are a good platform, but they're not to the point to where they appeal to more people. Um, and I think that's where the riggable inflatable will appeal to more people. Um, and uh, our inflatable, once it's fully rigged, um, you're, you're looking at 85 to 90 pounds for a 14 foot kayak. You know, your pro angler, I think weighs 120, 130 pounds, um, with, with everything that comes standard with it. So it's, it's an inflatable, it is lighter. Um, so it, that, that's huge for us right now. And a lot of our focus has been put into that because it's a huge project. It's more than anything we've ever taken on before. Uh, there's a lot of moving, moving wheels and stuff that's, that we're having to learn how to do certain things uh, and deal with different manufacturers like uh, to, to get the track manufactured, um, kayak seats, you know, all the stuff that we've never dealt with before. I'm a metal fabrication guy. I know how to get metal, cut metal, and and make it do what I want it to do. Um, but when you're talking producing, you know, stuff that's way different and way out of my realm, it's been a big learning curve. Uh, we're, we're coming right up on two years since we've started developing mm -hmm. the inflatable. So um, I think that's kind of where we're, we're hoping to go in the future and, you know, still do the, the adapter plates and um, different accessories, but hoping that the inflatable takes us to the next level. Awesome. Um, you know, and, it, and for me personally, it's kind of weird for me to to reach out to a company and ask them for a sponsorship or, you know, a pro staff because I, I have my own company. But I do, um, you know, I, I have I'm uh, on the Ego Nets pro staff. Um, you know, I, I love their nets. I've never used another net that it's, it's as durable. It floats. Um, you know, it's just an all around good net. Um, so, and then I have my, my local guy that I've known forever. Uh, and then past couple of years, I've had him build me a few rods. And then this year I told him, I said, look, I'm switching all my rods over to your rods. I need this, 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 and this. Um, and that's, uh, Steve Fogel with backyard custom rods. He's right here in Walkersville, Maryland. Uh, great guy. He's retired and he builds rods because he loves doing it. Not because he's trying to get rich doing it. Um, he just loves to see people take something that he's built with his own hands and go out and have a good time and fish with. So, um, he's a really good dude, but, um, you know, the future is, is really, you know, looking up for us as far as the inflatables and the business. And even with everything going on in the economy right now, um, people are still getting out and having a good time. And I think if, if anything positive has come out of, covid is everybody is enjoying the outdoors more and they seem to be more people seem to have hobbies and and it's it's not just the work grind all the time people are spending more time with family and enjoying the outdoors or whatever it is that makes them happy which is, i think has a lot to do with why the kayak community has seen such a boom in the last two years um so it's really good to be in the industry right now and we always say the kayak industry is great. It, it's full of great people and everybody always has everybody's back. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's been a fun ride for sure. Awesome, man. And I, yeah, I think you guys um, specifically are, are positioned really well for, I mean, you, you hit it at the right time. And um, like you said, it, it's, it's only going to get, you know, as more and more people, you know, kind of see what you guys are doing and, and, you know, Jeff, you know, people uh, start watching him. It's going to help grow. And, and just the, the fact that, you know, like you said, kayaking uh, and, and uh, our sport is, is growing so quickly. I think people are drawn to it once they get into it. And it still has that kind of that friendly camaraderie kind of feel to it. Um, I think that's another aspect that really helps. Um, yeah. And as hopefully as as the sport grows and. Um, we get more and more people in the fold. We we're able to keep that because I think that's an important part of it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, I I think you guys are doing a great job, and uh, you know I I certainly uh, know quite a few people now that uh, swear by your work, and I uh, hope you guys keep up the good work. So yeah, and that, that's one of the things we pride ourselves on. We try to help anybody any way we can. 
customer service is huge. You know, people are always saying, you know, we really, I really appreciate you helping me. You know, this is whether it just be rigging questions or walking someone through how to rig their boat with products that they've bought. We've installed other companies' products on their boats. Like it doesn't matter to us. We just want them to be able to go out and enjoy their time on the water. And at the end of the day, we know they're going to go and tell their friends, you know, that, that I really helped them out and it's good for business. Plus I enjoy helping people, um, you know, we're, with business doing as well as it is, it, it, it allows us to help the community. Um, I have one employee, he's a, uh, he's a high school graduate from this year, but he worked work study with me um, at through school. So um, we're affiliated with the school now and helping kids in the community. We're able to help take care of, you know, local sports organizations and, and, you know, help them grow. I grew up in a small town. I grew up in Woodsboro, not too far from here, you know, played baseball for eight years. And, and my dad was a head coach and sponsored the teams and stuff. And that's just huge to us to be able to give back to the community. Um, and, and it's good networking too, for the business to, to be able to help the community. So, um, you know, even, even if I was just, getting by getting to know people in the community and helping the community is enough for me i just enjoy um you know helping someone sort out a problem or you know if someone calls me up and they said oh well um you know this broke or or i need this can you know can i do this and you know we try to help them in any way that we can and we stand behind our products too because the last thing we want is for something to break and we tell somebody oh tough luck and you know, and then they go out and, and then it's all, it's all bad publicity from there. So, you know, it's being, um, you know, helping people out is it's good for business and it makes me feel good to be able to help people out. Amen, man. That's, that's awesome. So cool, man. Well, uh, I wanted to give you a chance to shout out where folks can find you and, um, how they can get in touch with you. Um, I will make sure for those of you guys who, um, don't have time to write this down. I will make sure I get uh, all the links from Trey and include them in the show notes. So you can definitely check those out later, but uh, Trey, go ahead and uh, let folks know where they can find you and how they can contact you if they want to. Yep. We're uh, innovative sportsmen on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we have a YouTube channel for innovative sportsmen. That's where all of our installation videos or little tips that we can help uh, to, to get people to help rig their kayaks and stuff like that. Um, the Innovative Sportsman YouTube channel. Um, we have a website, InnovativeSportsman.com, and uh, that's where you can get all of our products, and, and we ship worldwide. So the only thing we really can't ship worldwide is Torquedo Motors. you got to you know, find somebody that's in your country that has them, but we ship them all across the U.S. Awesome, awesome. And uh, anybody else that you want to shout out? I know uh, I'll make sure I include links to that local rod builder and um, anybody else that you want me to, but anybody off the top of your head now that you wanted to shout out to? Well, definitely for more, for more fishing tips, check out the little stuff. YouTube channel, Jeff Little's YouTube channel is, is it's growing by the minute. Like he works hard every day of every week to grow that channel. Um, and he does it all while, you know, doing his job for Torquedo, promoting Torquedo products and stuff too. So um, Jake Harshman, if you are ever thinking about fishing the Susquehanna river, go check out his channel because you will get tips. And that's, that's the only reason I know how to fish that river is because I've spent time on that water with him and I've learned a lot from him. Um, but yeah, Jay Karshman, that's the name of his YouTube channel. Um, real good dude. If you got any questions, he responds to everything, everyone who asks a question, um, you know, and, uh, I'm hoping to, to, you know, pass on everything I know to my kids and, and my wife and they hold the fort down here while I'm on trips and whether it be, you know, uh, out doing shows or or out on fishing tournaments and stuff like that. They're always supporting me. So um, it's it's awesome to have a good support system at home and, uh, you know, kids that enjoy the same passion that I do. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had Jeff on here quite a few times. I've had Jake on here at least once. Um, uh, and Jake's taught me a ton about fishing just from watching him. But uh, I've reached out to him a few times just because I know he's super local to me. And, um, you know, he's been super helpful and uh, always willing to, de uh, you know, tell me he he'll, he says it in his videos, but it's totally the truth. 
he doesn't hold anything back. He, you know, he, he tells you everything. And, and, um, you know, you know, I, I, I've learned so much from him and, and Jeff too. I mean, the, his videos are amazing. He, he knows he's probably forgotten more about fishing than I'll ever know, I think. So, uh, it's just, he, he is a encyclopedia of, of, of fishing too. So definitely two really cool dudes and, uh, happy to, to be an acquaintance to those guys as well. But, um, well, Jeff, uh, I mean, Trey, uh, thank you so much, uh, for coming on, man. Um, I wish you guys the best of luck. I definitely, uh, we'll have to make a trip down and see you sometime. Cause, uh, I've seen some of the stuff that you've done and I have a Hobie Outback that I wouldn't mind tricking out a little bit, you know, so we'll see. Uh, I might, I might have to come pay you a visit before too long. Yep, uh, and good. then definitely, uh, uh, be interested in checking out the, uh, the inflatable. What do you have, uh, any idea, uh, how soon that'll be like hundred percent ready or official? So the, the track is the last piece of the puzzle that we're working on. Um, and things the things have just really started to move on that i've had i've been it's uh, aluminum extrusions is, is how it's made it extruding aluminum and it's a whole new process that i don't know much about but i'm learning about it i have a company that i'm working with and um i think we're going to have some numbers and stuff and and some dates of when we can have that track so as soon as i have that information is when i know um you know i'll know when we can have it i'm hoping to have um some track finish putting one of these kayaks together for iCast. We're going to have a kayak at iCast in the Torquedo booth, um, but it's just a matter of hopefully we get the production style track for that kayak. We already have the kayak here and the seats and everything. So um, it's just a matter of, of getting that, that track in, but it'll be in there regardless whether we have a different style of track on it. But, but yeah, if anybody's at iCast, you can check out that uh, innovative sportsman inflatable there. Awesome. Cool. Well, again, thanks so much, Stu, for coming on. Uh, lots of great knowledge about uh, creek fishing, and and I appreciate you know everything that you do for the community, and uh, you know you know that niche that you're filling there too. So, uh, again, wish you guys the best of luck, and thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on and talking with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, all right, guys. Well, this has been another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures. Your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jig Masters Jigs, when in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.